Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rated MR for Mike Rosen. Now the reviews are in. It's Mike Rosen at the movies on KOA News Radio, 8:50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. So it's a Saturday morning. Christian Toto and I here once again to talk about some of the current movies, some upcoming movies, some behind-the-scenes information, and we'll also talk about a new subscription service called Movie Pass. I hadn't heard of this until just recently. And I'm not sure how many movie theaters in Denver accept it. Sonia Rao had a piece in the Washington Post where she mentioned Denver and some friendly theaters. Uh, in essence, you pay $9.95 a month, and you can go to one movie a day <laughs> for your $9.95 monthly subscription fee. It doesn't sound like it's possible. Sounds like it's too good to be true. But right now... It is true. It is true, and we'll explain the the economics of this as well. Not all the movie chains like it. Mm -hmm. Some do, some don't. We'll get to that a little later. That's for somebody who sees five or six movies a, a month, and there are plenty of people out there who do that, like the people who listen to this show. Yeah, absolutely. What a deal. Listen, if you see two movies a month, you've already saved money. So, yeah. Okay, we got a double feature to talk about today. We're going to talk about Hostiles. A tale of redemption and, and willpower in the violent post-Civil War West, mm -hmm. starting in New Mexico and ending up in Montana. Uh, not a John Ford kind of cowboys <laughs> and Indians movie or cavalry and Indian movie at all, but Christian Bale does a wonderful job, and so does Rosamund Pike in this movie. Uh, that'll be our second feature we're going to start with. Maze Runner, The Death Cure, the third and final film in that franchise. And thankfully, they didn't uh, extend it into two movies. They just put it into one, but it's about two and a half hours. So they really had a lot of stuff they had to kind of get in there. Uh, modest box office, about $24 million the first weekend. But I was actually looking into the, the past film, The Scorch Trials, which was the second chapter. And that one only made $81 million in the U.S., but it made $230 million in uh, overseas box office tickets. So that's often why these franchises keep going because they're making a lot of money overseas. I didn't see it. I read about it. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, reviewers <laughs> spelled the name wrong. He Ooh. spelled it M-A-Z-E runner. When we're talking about M-A-I-S-E maze, it's corn. It's another name for corn. Uh, and the movie's about a guy who runs through a cornfield holding up uh, stalks of, of wait, corn. Wait, I don't. That's not quite it. It's not what it, I'm, I think the critic did have it right. It is M-A-Z-E. There was a maze. It is. There was a maze in the first film, but there have been less mazes as things have gone on. So there's no there's corn no in the corn. movie at all. You can bring corn if well, you want to. Well, maybe I'll see it afterwards. You could pop some corn. Pop popcorn in a movie. That's right. <laughs> all right, tell us about it. Yeah, there's a third film in, the, in this trilogy. It's uh, based on James Dashner's books. And this time around, our heroes called the Gladers are trying to rescue one of their friends who's been trapped by the Wicked organization. And uh, they are trying to find out a cure for a plague that's, that's hit the, I'm assuming it's the earth all over, that's turning people into zombie-like creatures. But the way they're going about it is pretty nasty at times. And now the Gladers are trying to 
save one of their old friends, and of course, have kind of a, a final showdown with some of the key players behind the scenes at this organization. This is kind of typical dystopian youth storytelling, you know, don't trust the adults for sure. Uh, things are getting more bleak than ever. and uh, But it does bring the story to a conclusion. And that's a good thing because often these stories kind of keep going on and on. By the way, did I say S? Uh, maize, the corn variety is M-A-I-Z-E. So hey, if you okay. just took the I out, it would be maize runner. <laughs> I, as, as soon as it, I said that, I said, wait a second. I think it's Z. Did I say yes? Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's gotcha. Z. A um, couple of interesting notes here. One, the action in the movie is spectacular. The opening sequence feels like it was like a fast and furious type of action stunt sequence. Wonderful, but it does come at a price. The actor who's in the chart is uh, the, the main leading man here is Dylan O'Brien. He was really hurt making the film, and they had to shut down production for six months. So he did, you know, he was back in action. It seems like he's good to go again. But when you watch the scenes of him, boy, he's doing a lot of the stunt work, and you can tell where he maybe was in harm's way. So, but that's the way a lot of actors do it. I mean, I know Tom Cruise is famous for doing mm-hmm. a lot of his own stunts. It looks great on screen. I can't deny, cannot deny that. But boy, uh, significant injury, and uh, I'm I'm glad he's well. I'm glad he's better, but. I wonder what's going to happen to actors down the road. I mean, I think there's, I think there's a, a general push to be more authentic, more outrageous, more, you know, envelope pushing. And someone's going to get hurt. Someone already has, and it could get worse. Well, Steve McQueen used to do a lot of his mm-hmm. own stunts, although he did not actually do the motorcycle. Oh, thank goodness! After the motorcycle <laughs> riding after he had escaped from the POW uh-huh. camp, jumping over that barbed wire fence. Gotcha. Uh, who else? Uh, well, uh, kung fu guy, the, the Bruce know. Lee. Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that Wait. movie he did just recently, mm-hmm. he did some of his own stunts, but at the... Well, I think he, he did Jackie his, Chan, though, right? I'm, I'm talking about... You're exactly right. Sorry. Ja- Jackie Chan. Yeah. He uh, does most of his stuff, but I think he is sort of dialing it down. I think but he's, he's in his 60s now, isn't he? Yeah, he's getting up there. But he's, for years and years, I mean, he's got the skills and he's got the abil- agility, so he does it. But uh, there is a risk with that. And I think a lot of the actors will tell you they've got a, a bunch of broken bones and cuts and bruises and things. I think even Daniel Craig really suffered through the last Bond film. And that's one of the reasons why he was not really eager to do another one because he gets beat up. Did they say what the injury was in Maze Runner? Boy, you know, I thought it was a head injury. I'm not exactly sure. Sounds like the National Hockey League where all they'll say yeah. is it's an upper body injury right. or lower body injury. They don't give you any any detail. Well, that's funny. You know, when, when Harrison Ford was shooting The Force Awakens a few years ago, he had a pretty significant leg injury and there was a lot of mystery around it. What happened? What part of his body was hurt? How badly was his hurt? But, he, but was he hurt? But he, that, that one it definitely affected the uh, the shoot as well. Is there going to be another Maze Runner? I think this is it. You know, I think it's not a huge film at this point, even if the overseas box office kind of rallies to its side. But I think this is I think this is done. You know, I don't think there's such an, uh, a crowd uh, uprise where they need to see more stories in this, this particular franchise. Why don't we check in with Todd, who's a member of the Mike Rosen Movie Club. He can tell us what he thought about the movie, and then you'll tell him what the reward will be. All righty. Todd, what'd you think of uh, Maze Runner? Hey, guys. Hey. Um, You know, I went in with no expectations, and I came out pleasantly surprised. Uh, I thought it was a nice wrap-up to the first two movies. Um, I actually liked number two and number three better than number one. In talking to some of my students, uh, there's two camps there. There's the, I love the books, I hate the movies. And then there's the, I love the books, but I also love the movies because even though they changed the story, uh, from what I understand, but Mm -hmm. 
I haven't read the books. I watched all three movies, and uh, I, I was surprised to to hear you guys talking about the stunts. Um, my sons and I have come back and watched some uh, older 80s movies. Yesterday we watched uh, Back to the Future 3 and uh, kind of brought back a conversation that Christian and I had about uh, stunts the night that uh, we saw the movie. And uh, and it was neat to, to go back and reflect on Maze Runner. It was neat to think that, oh, okay, so they still have stunt people that do, you know, they do stunts and, and all the stunts are original. It's not necessarily CG all the time, mm-hmm. which I think we've all become used to kind of uh, deadened to. So it was nice to see some um, some good action stunt stuff going on. But uh, on the whole, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a good movie. Talk about your students. Are they pretty passionate about this this particular franchise, or is it just part of their world? I I think it's just part of their world. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a lot of the kids they they have read everything from the Hunger Games, Maze Runner. Um, Allegiance, all of those books, <laughs> they all kind of fall into that dystopian, yeah. uh, that post-apocalyptic uh, type of book. And uh, they're, all the kids that I've talked to, there's more that are excited to see the movie and they're excited for what it is mm. uh, compared to the two or three kids I spoke to that, that you know, they're going to live and die by the book and they're not going to go yeah. see the movie. We're raising a very depressed generation with all this dystopian fare, but uh, they'll be smart and cynical, and maybe that's a good thing as well. Uh, anything that jumps out at you about the film that you didn't like? Or I know that, to me, the film had some really good uh, supporting players, including Giancarlo Esposito and Barry Pepper. Good actors. Also, Walton Goggins from The Great Justified has a uh, small but important role here, too. Did that did that kind of spike the punch for you a bit, or were you kind of more intrigued by the young kids? Nothing really bad jumped out at me here. I, I actually, I liked the idea of, it was kind of a reverse great escape movie. Mm-hmm. It, it was the classic kind of buddy. We, we have to get into this place so that we can get out of this place because our friend is in there. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I, there wasn't anything that really, um, like, if anything, mm-hmm. I needed to go back and, and watch the, the second movie to kind of refresh my brain. But mm-hmm. no, I, there wasn't, really anything that I remember that, that really stood out to me is something that uh, I guess if anything I would have liked to have maybe seen more of Barry Pepper's character because mm-hmm. I like Barry Pepper but I too. Uh, outside of that no I, I thought I thought all the, the younger actors and actresses did great didn't, side Barry, didn't Barry Pepper play Roger, Roger Maris. Maris yes he did in 61 61 about the year that Maris yep. did 61 mm-hmm. homers and with Mickey Mantle and exactly yes. yeah he's a good actor well Todd thanks for joining actually Todd joined me at this movie screening in particular because so often I invite guests of the Mike Rosen show to the theater with me to check out these different shows now from a scale of one to five using a clever unit of measure how do you rank or rate the movie Maze Runner I'll give it uh, three and a half train chases out of five. All right. I'm going to give it two and a half cranks, the name for those zombie-like creatures. The rewards for Todd are tickets to the C Film Center on Colfax, a really great place to check out movies. They've got an eclectic bunch of films to see at any given moment. New films, older films, documentaries, retrospectives, and you can go and have a drink, have a little bite to eat. It's a really kind of a nice upscale experience. Tickets to the C Film Center are on your way. That is your reward, and thanks again, Todd. Thank you both. Thanks, Christian. Have a good day.
Thank you, Todd. All right, we'll take a break right here and then talk about hostiles when we come back. I think we can spend two segments on that. Yeah, it's a lot to talk about. And, you know, I used to avoid reading movie reviews before we did movies mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be biased by what I read in the movie reviews. Uh, in recent years, I've changed mm-hmm. that because one of the things I like to do is review the movie reviews <laughs> and critique them especially the uh-huh. the Hollywood culture, the liberal journalism culture mm-hmm. that seeps into the vast majority of the work of professional movie uh-huh. reviewers. Okay, I'm a critic too, so don't pick on me too much. I've never picked on <laughs> you. You and I see eye to eye on almost <laughs> everything. All right, we'll be right back after right. these words. Now with extra butter, it's Mike Rosen at the movies on KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Christian, of course, also has a, a wonderful website you can go to called Hollywood in Toto. And what's happening at Hollywood in Toto these days? Well, what's not happening right now is a new movie review this week because the only movie featured, which is Winchester, which is out now, was not screened for critics, so I didn't get a chance to check it out. But I do have a review of A Futile and Stupid Gesture, which we might talk about next week. It's a new original Netflix movie about the dawn of National Lampoon, the great comic magazine that uh, helped bring to life people like Chevy Chase, Gilda Radner, John mm-hmm. Belushi, and then played a significant role in movies like National Lampoon's Animal House and also Caddyshack. So a really big, important comedy movement of the 70s, and it looks at the people who made it happen. There's a series I was just introduced to on Amazon Prime. John Podhoritz, who works at Commentary Magazine uh, and also does a regular movie review. Normally he talks about public policy and issues, but he's a regular movie reviewer in the weekly standard and this is about the marvelous uh mrs easy mrs <laughs> mrs Maisel. Maisel, thank you <laughs> i always get that wrong the marvelous mrs Maisel. Mm-hmm. uh if you like seinfeld the series all those years uh you will like this and i i when i first heard about it it's about some woman whose husband leaves her and she decides to get in uh, to be a stand-up comic back uh, in the uh late 50s and early 60s uh, when uh, clubs like uh, the Gaslight Club and the Vanguard in Greenwich Village, and that's my that's a period I grew up in as well, uh, featured people, edgy comedians like Lenny Bruce, for example. Mm. And uh, I don't know, it didn't seem like that, in, that interesting uh, storyline for me. However, when I read John Podhoritz's review of it, I, I had to watch it since it gave me a chance to look back on the, the, the culture that I grew up in. Anyway, it is uh, really, really good, and it's, I, it's gotten a lot of acclaim and some awards. I've heard nothing but, bad, nothing but great things about it from people in the press and also just people sort of in my inner circle. So, yeah, it looks wonderful. Is it funny? I, I haven't caught it yet myself. Is it, does it, I mean, it's is Seinfeld she, funny. Okay. Oh, that's pretty good. And in the context, if you... Seinfeld uh, appealed more to New Yorkers than to everybody else, but it had a wide uh, popular national following. Uh, Hence the the movie that they ultimately, uh, not the movie, the last episode of Seinfeld Mm. was the most disappointing last episode of any series (laughs) I've ever seen. But in any any event, uh, the way they treat uh, New York City Jewish culture, and they do it stereotypically, just Mm. the way they did it in Seinfeld. But that doesn't make it inaccurate. It only makes it somewhat exaggerated. And in this case, only somewhat exaggerated. That's part of the humor of this. And they pull it off so, so well. 
Now, there were very, very few female comedians in that time period. Is True. It, I imagine that's one of the themes of the show is sort of the, you know, sort of breaking breaking the barriers there. Or Well, this is a woman who came from a very high-class Upper West Side culture <laughs> in New York. And her father was a Columbia University mathematician, but the family had uh, a lot of money and, and uh, lived in a very luxurious um large square footage apartment. She had a conventional life. She went to Bryn Mawr. And how in the world does she wind up showing her breast and using dirty language in Uh-oh. a comedy club? Uh, I won't tell you any more. That's a, a good uh-huh. a good uh, tease for you. Yeah. I like Lenny Bruce's kid sister. But if you're an Amazon Prime customer, check this uh, check this out. All right. All right, so let's talk about hostiles. Yep, the new Western. We don't get many Westerns these days, but I feel like when we do get them, they're often pretty darn good. You know, you and I talked about Godless a few weeks ago. That's on Netflix, which is terrific. I'm about halfway through it myself. But this is a new Western from Scott Cooper. He previously directed Out of the Furnace and also Crazy Heart, the movie that won Jeff Bridges an Oscar. And this time around, Christian Bale is back. Those This director has worked with him before. And it's he stars as Captain Blocker. He is a veteran soldier who has been fighting Native Americans for quite some time. He's a I guess he, uh, he's killed more than a few of them and scalped more than a few of them along the way. They are his certain enemy. And now he's given the assignment of actually uh, escorting a Cheyenne chief, played by West Studi, to Montana because he's dying. And they want him to basically have his final days in his home with family and friends. And, of course, Captain Blocker doesn't want anything to do with his mission, but he cannot say no. He's forced into it. And now these two enemies have to kind of travel together to get to the to get to the place in Montana, and it's not just the Indian chief; it's his mm-hmm. family as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's his son and uh, uh, two younger women, uh, uh, and a, uh, a a grandson as well. Uh, the character development is exceptional, I think, for all of those involved. In addition to uh, West Sluti, and and you remember him from Dances with Wolves, uh, Left My Heart at Wounded Knee. He was also in uh, in Last of the Mohicans, mm. and he played Magua. Now, that was a and when you West Duty, most people have seen him in a lot of movies, but you don't know what his name is. Uh-huh. You'll recognize the face immediately. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of a, a, a scowling, mean face, which led them to cast him. As a uh, as a a bad guy, he certainly a Magua in in uh, Last of the Mohicans was was not one of the more lovable uh, <laughs> Indian characters, uh, but he's got an interesting background. He was in the uh, United States Army, and he served in in Vietnam with the Ninth Infantry hmm. Division, and uh, he uh, he he fought in the uh, Mekong Delta area, and then he got into acting. Yeah. Uh, his role is is exceptional in this. You know, we, we talk about sort of the diversity of Hollywood and casting issues. Here's an actor who's really quite talented, who you like him in everything you see him in, and he's great here. Why not cast him in roles where he's not a Native American figure? I mean, why couldn't he be a cop or a lawyer or a hero or a villain? Like, who just or, happens to be. Yeah, it just happens American. to be a Native American. I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the complaints about Hollywood, which I think was, is a very fair complaint. On the other hand, years ago, they'd cast white men yes yes Indians. Indians you can't win yeah. can you yeah it's 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 a challenge I, mean, I think the uh, the breakfast breakfast at Tiffany's with uh, Mickey Rooney playing an Asian character is the ultimate and oh my goodness they didn't really do that did they but they did Rosamund Pike you might remember her from Gone Girl yeah and she plays a a prairie housewife 
Uh, and this is not a spoiler because it. Ha- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happens very, very early in the movie, whose homestead is attacked, and her husband and her children are brutally murdered right which, before her eyes. Yeah, which sets the stage for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the bloodlust on both sides, the, the the plains wars between the white men and the cavalry and the settlers and the ranchers uh, and the Indians was absolutely brutal. And, uh, of course, it was initiated by the white men. Mm-hmm. This uh, taking over of land by right of conquest is part of the history of the world, and it was no difficult, no, no different in this culture. When a more advanced civilization, at least technologically, comes up against a primitive civilization, this kind, this kind of a conflict is inevitable. Uh, so while we, while, while we understand so much more about our history in that regard today, than we knew when we watched all those John Ford, That's John right. Wayne movies, which I loved, by the way, but those movies were rousing. The cavalry were the good guys. John Wayne was always a, a good guy. And you never saw anything from the Indian perspective. And Dances with Wolves, uh, that was probably the most prominent movie where you you sympathize with the Indians and the cavalry were the, the bad guys. Yeah, and then the, you could also point to Unforgiven, which kind of turned the traditional Western on its head a bit and examined violence in a whole new way. And, of course, Eastwood was, uh, that was an, an instant classic and... People still love it. People are starting to connect Unforgiven with this film. I don't think it's as good, but I understand it's a, it's a it's a new spin on the Western, and I think it's mostly worthwhile. All right, we'll talk about some of the reviews of this movie, which I really enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and one in particular in Variety from Peter DeBruge, if that's the way he pronounces his name. It's spelled D-E-B-R-U-G-E. It's so typical of the, the liberal narrative, wallowing in self-guilt and focusing on that those parts of our history that they... Uh, love to uh, uh, to wallow in while at the same time passing over and giving short shrift to the other parts of our history, which on balance, compared to any mm-hmm. major society in the world, gets the highest grade I can imagine. That's my judgment. Mm-hmm. Of it. Uh, I don't have any sense of guilt whatsoever for what happened in the 1800s as Manifest Destiny was moving uh, white culture from east to west this is just the nature of world history going back to the roman empire and before all the wars was fought in europe and africa and every place else the uh, colonization period of world history um, understand it to be sure but uh, don't go to bed at night feeling bad about yourself mm-hmm. for something that happened 200 years ago in any event we'll we'll get into this at the next level when we come back after these words you're listening to Mike Rosen at the Movies on KOA News Radio, 8.50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. Mike and Christian back with you. Boy, how time flies. It seems like just the other day, Christian, that I was talking about Annie coming to BDT Stage in Boulder. 
And uh, now it's in its final few weeks. It that's ends a, on that, February 24th. That's often how I judge time these days, by how the different BET State shows are kind of cycling through. It's amazing. I saw it back in late November or early December. Anyway, so it's a wonderful production. They do, do such a good job on all of their shows with their resident theater company. The best entertainment value in, in town, a dinner and the show for just $43 a person. And dinner is quite good. It's not some kind of crappy buffet. You mm -hmm. order from a a la carte menu, a prime rib, and all kinds of wonderful side dishes, very inexpensive wines. Uh, this is a great show to bring the kids to. Oh, yeah. Uh, they'll love to hate Miss Hannigan, of course. <laughs> Remember, Carol Burnett played Miss Hannigan in the movie version of this. And Daddy Warbucks and, and the two little girls who play Annie in the show, they alternate since the kids aren't going to work uh, six days a week. Uh, are are just delightful and, and belt out uh, tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. And that's such a tough role for a young performer, but um, it sounds like they nail it. So make a note of the phone number. I don't think there'll be operators standing by at uh, 8.30 on a Saturday morning. It's 303-449-6000. That's 449-6000. You can also go online to bdtstage.com. I brought my six-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, mm -hmm. and she just loved it. She's so probably still singing those songs. Wonderful <laughs> show. Catch it while you can. It runs through February 24th at BDT Stage. So let's let's uh, talk about the Hostiles, where we, uh, where we left off. Yeah, you know, a couple of notes about the production. One is they had two Native American uh, consultants on set while they were making the movie to make sure it was authentic as possible. And I, I, I'm kind of of two minds for that. I, I like the fact when storytellers when they want to be as real and accurate as possible, bring in the experts, make sure that they, that, that they get all the details right. But I think in our culture today, I just worry that maybe that might restrict the storytelling. And just a quick example, a couple of, I guess a year or two ago, they made a movie called Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. And that was obviously the sequel to Neighbors. That was kind of a raunchy comedy. They had two women on set who were trying to make it, for lack of a better phrase, as woke as possible, trying to make sure it wasn't insulting to women, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking... Boy, that doesn't sound like a great environment for comedy. So it's much better here. I think their goal was much more authentic. But I, I did something about that. Just I'm a little uneasy about that. But that that's where the movie was, and it sounds like they, it worked to the film's advantage. Yeah. So Christian Bale's uh, character, this uh, grizzled captain of the plains who fought in the Civil War, uh, he's still only a captain after mm -hmm. a career in the army and the cavalry. He's about ready to retire which is the reason he agreed to go on this odyssey from mm -hmm. New Mexico all the way up to Montana, which was the yeah. uh, homeland of West Studies' character. And we didn't, he didn't have much choice. They kind of held something. I well, they threatened what. him uh, with losing his pension. That's right, yeah. Uh, after this last mission, this last detail, mm -hmm. he was going to muster out of the, uh, out of the army. Uh, so he, he did it, but here's, here's a man who grew up uh, in mortal combat with hostiles or savages as they called them although the indians of the plains thought that the white men were the savages mm -hmm. uh, and it's about redemption because now he's face to face with a man who he knew all too well from so many battles this chief played by west study and he's got to escort that whole family and keep them safe mm -hmm. and along the route they're going to be attacked oh yeah uh, in various forms and they wind up bonding. I'm not giving away anything that isn't widely known by anybody mm -hmm. who's read about this uh, this movie. Uh, so it's it's much deeper, obviously, 
than than most of the superficial westerns, even even the the famous John Ford westerns. And this is a sign of our times too. Mm-hmm. We now inject uh, some of the the contemporary narratives into representations of history that we didn't do that in the in the past. But as far as Peter de Bruges is concerned, from Variety magazine, which is very liberal also, uh, it wasn't nearly progressive enough to suit his <laughs> tastes. It didn't present his narrative uh, as uh, as negatively toward white men. And he's kind of disappointed that this one character can can be actually redeemed. Uh, the first sentence of his review says, A ruthless killer of Native Americans is forced to confront his own prejudice in a Western that isn't nearly as progressive as it thinks. <laughs> I thought you were being cavalier with your attitude. No, no, no. That, but that's exactly what he said. He, uh, and, uh, go ahead. I, he's, he's a soldier. He's assigned to kill. That's his mission. That's his job. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's racist per se. And also, you know, part of art and part of great art is redemption stories, is people having an arc in their character where they see the light, where they go through things. Heck, look at A Christmas Carol. I don't think we should, you know, should we fault Ebenezer Scrooge for being for being enlightened in the last few pages of that story? No, it's it's, it's great. It's what makes it so magical. The uh, Rosamund Pike character, she plays Rosalie Quaid, who I mentioned earlier, has to watch her, her children and her husband uh, brutally massacred by uh, Comanches. Yeah. And they make the distinction in the movie between Apaches and Comanches. And West Duty is a, is a, uh, is a, is a, um, There's a Cheyenne. Apache. Uh, and um, uh, the, the Comanches were recognized at the time even by other native tribes. And mm-hmm. by the way, there's a tremendous amount of hostility among native tribes, Native American tribes who would uh, brutalize and enslave other Native Americans as they saw fit. But the Comanches were a particularly brutal lot. Uh, She is so damaged uh, emotionally uh, from the very beginning of the movie that during the the odyssey that follows this this trek from New Mexico to to Montana, uh, she she progresses from being a despondent, uh, emotionally paralyzed woman to a, a tower of strength mm-hmm. as things evolve, especially in one of the last scenes of the uh, of the movie. Uh, so the fellow from uh, from Variety magazine, your new favorite critic, yeah. Uh, while taking a harder edge to the feel good, hug an Indian west of dances with wolves, <laughs> Hostiles ultimately falls back on the same one dimensional archetypes depriving its native characters of so not so much as a single scene in which they are treated as anything more than abstract plot devices in service of the white folks' entitlement. Nonsense. I don't agree with that at all. I think there's a lot of scenes where they show sort of these characters in, in a more interesting light. I mean, the whole movie is about death and nuance and the intricacies of this life and the, the ramifications of the violence. Yeah, he calls it an intellectually corrupt period piece, but not your traditional Western and clearly fancies itself a revisionist take on so many black and white us versus them tales in which unambiguously heroic white men protect their women and children from red-skinned enemies. But just how progressive is a movie that draws a false equivalency between individual Indian attacks and large-scale government-sanctioned genocide? So that's where he's, uh, mm. he's coming from. 
What can you do? <laughs> you throw up, you throw yeah. up your hands. Uh, it, it is long. It's two hours and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the dialogue is very, very slow. Yeah, it's sometimes. a slower film, that's for sure. This is not a typical Rock'em Sock'em Western. Although I, I thought the slowness of the dialogue in this movie was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in the last couple of seasons of Breaking Bad, the slowness, uh, slowness of the dialogue started to uh, started to get old mm-hmm. for me, but it didn't bother me in this movie at uh, at all. Uh, so that's where, and I, right. I think uh, Westerly does play a Cheyenne, not an Apache. Yeah, I think he's a Cheyenne. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it three and a half scalps. I liked it. I, I wish I liked it. I was th- I thought the pace was a little bit off, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to give it uh, four uh, rail station. Departure. Okay, very good. And that has something to do with the end of the movie. Uh, it would be a terrible spoiler if you and I talked about this, but watch this to the very end because you're going to go through uh, a conflict of emotions at the mm-hmm. very end of this, this movie. Well said. We'll be right back. All you need is popcorn, a box of raisinets, and a drink. This is Mike Rosen at the movies on KOA News Radio, 850 AM and 94.1 FM. Along with Christian Toto, one, one other postscript on this Peter DeBruge review in Variety. Uh, he also talks about a scene in which a badly wounded black-skinned buffalo soldier, thats a that was a cavalry corporal, who, uh, who is, is picked particularly by Christian Bale's character to accompany him on this journey. They'd been together for years and he mm-hmm. trusted this fellow who thought was a wonderful soldier. In any event, he's badly wounded. And uh, halfway through the movie, Christian Bain is sitting at his bedside uh, while he's uh, recovering from his injuries, but still in a terrible state. And uh, uh, there's a very moving moment. The character is, is Corporal Woodson, who's played by Jonathan majors where Christian Bale, this, this rough, tough seasoned captain, uh, is getting choked up as mm-hmm. he, he said, you're the, the best soldier I've ever known. And Peter de Brugge describes this scene as one that illustrates the selectivity of Christian Bale character, his racial hatred. <laughs> now, the fact that this black man was Part of his band of brothers is a demonstration that he's not yeah. a racist. He's looking beyond race. He just knew him as the person who he was. And and the hatred for the the Indians that he's been fighting in the field isn't based on their race. It's based on their performance as enemy combatants. Uh, think about World War II in the in the Pacific, and the brutality of the the Japanese. Uh, and what the Marines, the mud Marines, thought about the, the Japanese. And it wasn't because they were Japanese. <laughs> uh, we've had Asians in South Vietnam, for example, that were on our side, <laughs> the, the, the South Vietnamese. And there were, were uh, warm relations between some American soldiers in Vietnam and some South Vietnamese soldiers while they, hate, while they, while they hated the North Vietnamese. Who are of the same race, yeah, but of a different disposition. The reviewer is talking about sort of a one-dimensional approach to storytelling. I think the reviewer is actually having a one-dimensional approach to his craft. Yeah, very good, well put. So this this movie pass. Now, Netflix, Amazon, you name it. I won't go through the whole list. Uh, this is creating uh, a future that's very uncertain mm-hmm. for traditional movie theaters. 
uh, are they going to continue? When you think about what it costs you for a movie ticket and popcorn and a soda, uh, it's it's not a cheap date so much. Oh, gosh, no. Anymore. And it's so much more comfortable for so many people to watch on their 80-inch screen at home uh, and pay a lot less. You can make your own popcorn in the microwave now. That's right. Netflix Although and chill, the movie call theater. Uh, so there's something called Movie Pass, and this is the latest... Ironically, the latest attempt to try to save the traditional movie environment. For $9.95 a month, you can see one film a day for an entire month. In a 31-day month, you can see 31 movies, if you want. To be fair, in February, you can only see 28 <laughs> months. <laughs> so, but in leap years, you can see deal. 29. That's right. Uh, $9.95 is cheaper than a single ticket in most, most major cities. The company now has more than one and a half million subscribers. They pay theaters full price for each ticket. So the station gets reimbursed That's, for the price of their ticket. I don't know how that Well, they make their out. money by sharing in the concession okay. revenues. And movie theaters uh, these days don't even get the full price of the ticket because mm-hmm. the studio gets some or all of that in a lot of uh, movie theaters, and the, the movie theaters are, are surviving on the money they make selling concessions. Okay, at first blush, the consumer wins because it's cheaper. The movie theater owners get reimbursed for the tickets and sell more concessions. And then Movie Pass is able to survive because they're getting a, a, a piece of that concession sales. Isn't that a win-win-win, or what's the... Yeah, well, Sonia Rao had a piece in the Washington Post. That's where I first heard about this. Uh, she said, this works fine in places like Denver. She actually mentions... Denver. Mm-hmm. United Artists Denver Pavilions in downtown Denver accepts Movie Pass. Alamo Drafthouse, Sloan's Lake mm-hmm. accepts the Movie Pass. Uh, AMC Cherry Creek 8 uh, accepts the Movie Pass. So mm-hmm. if you regularly go to any of those theaters, or all of them for that matter, this can be a great deal for oh, you. Yeah. Uh, some theaters around the country, however, and in some cities around the ton- country, uh, AMC theaters in Boston and Los Angeles uh, have pulled out of this. Mm. Uh, especially because they don't want to share uh, revenues from uh, concessions. Uh, So I don't know if this is going to survive. You can't use it, uh, movie pass on 3D or IMAX movies and things like that. So Mm -hmm. there are some pros and cons going with it. But if you see uh, a bunch of movies uh, a month, uh, I I think this is a great deal right now, and you can cancel it if it turns out not to be such a great deal later on. Yeah, uh, it sounds. I I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. It seems like it's so cost-effective. And also, it makes you more of a movie fan. You go to more movies and check things out. And it's, I think it's sort of, you know, my kids are often going to different games. Uh, DU Hockey we see, and even the Avalanche. They have a lot of deals where young kids get to go in cheaper. There's deals, there's packages. You want to create that culture where the kids love the sport. I think it's the same with movies. You want to have a culture where people are going back to the movies again. I talk to so many people, they go, eh, I don't see as many movies as I used to. And that's a real problem. So this is called Movie Pass. Just Google it. You'll find out yep. where to go. What do we have coming up next week? Well, we could talk about Winchester, but it's, it hasn't gotten really good reviews. It's a horror movie with uh, Helen Mirren. I think we'll talk about Phantom Thread, the new Daniel Day-Lewis movie, which is getting some accolades. And also, let's also check in with A Futile and Stupid Gesture. It's on Netflix right now. It's an original movie, Will Forte, about the dawn of National Lampoon. I think it'd be kind of fun to review an original Netflix movie and uh, see what we think of it. Yeah, and if you're a liberal Democrat and an Obama lover, you'll want to see a documentary called The Final Year, which is looking at at the last year of Obama's White House, especially from a foreign policy standpoint. Mm -hmm. You've heard the term hagiography. Yes. (laughs) 
That's a biography that is a love fest with its uh, its subject. Uh, this is an absolutely one-sided propaganda piece, but mm-hmm. for some people, that's an endorsement. So. I guess you won't be in line. I'm not going to waste any time <laughs> reading it. Okay, or watching it. All right, that wraps it for today. We'll be back next Saturday at 8 o'clock. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.